0: fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Comes the Piled
1: track and it's in for the touchdown. What a great second. Here the, oh, here comes the Oh, here comes the oh. I so, I the bills up in my heart the dirty like so I got no in Wolfpack, what's going the the on? It's your boy, the wolf of Roto Street, RotoStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Thrilled to welcome on now for the third time, Mr. Graham Barfield of Fantasy Points. You can find him at Graham Barfield. Uh, here, Graham is the director of Analytics, the host of the amazing Two Bars podcast with Scott Barrett. Uh, before at fantasy points, he worked with roto world fantasy labs and on NFL network. So obviously the resume is stacked. I've had him on three times. It's always an absolute pleasure to talk ball with Graham and I'm thrilled to be able to do it again this year. How's it going, brother?
0: Good, man. Good. Uh, it's good to get like actual actionable NFL news on the Twitter feed. It's been great. You know, seeing, uh, Aaron Rodgers quotes today, seeing CD lamb highlights yesterday, uh, yep. everything in between getting all the news, uh, Now we've been missing, man. It's always weird because like June and July, everybody tries to make news out of like every single Beat Writer report or, uh, you know, predictions article from Beat Writer that's not really news. So it's good to actually have like real live, tangible things to talk about and adjust from. So yeah, it's a fun time of year. This is always like one of my, my favorite times of the year of the NFL schedule for sure.
1: Absolutely. And especially this year, like the training camp buzz, it's finally in the air, the smell's there. Yeah. And we, we missed it last year. So to yeah. me, it's just like that much sweeter now that it's finally back. Like, I don't know if you're feeling the same way, but I don't no, know.
0: That's
1: oh. definitely it. It's definitely it's so it, man. Cool. Because like
0: last year, not only did we not have like a normal training camp, we did not have a preseason. Right. I think not right. having a preseason like really, uh, I don't know, just changed the complexion of what an offseason is. And I know people bitch about preseason games, but I love preseason. Like oh, yeah. there's there's a lot to learn from those games if you if Absolutely. you know what you're looking for.
1: Absolutely right. And preseason DFS for us oh. absolute degenerates. Like it's the it's, funnest time of the year.
0: <laughs> it's the best. You know, you can blow a couple hundred dollars and not feel terrible about rostering some fourth string running back in the Vikings. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So many interesting storylines, all that good stuff. Um, oh yeah. It's it's the best. I'm just so happy we're back. Like you're saying, actionable real football a year after missing buzz season. It's so good to have it back. Um, And We're pumped today to talk about some best ball. It's one of the more relevant strategies right now that everybody's doing, the underdog best ball manias, all that good stuff. We're going to be looking at Graham's 2021 tiers and rankings, discussing some of his overarching strategy, approaches to different positions, all that good stuff, your favorite targets, some guys you might be avoiding, and all that. Before we get there, anybody out there, if you're willing to give us a quick thumbs up, Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, wherever you're tuned in, on YouTube, Twitter, wherever it might be. Uh, I'd be so appreciated if you consider giving us a thumbs up, a share uh, to help us get out to more people. It would be great. But I would be remiss if I invited on the godfather, the the developer of Yards Created. One of my favorite starts, you know, my stats of all time, I always cite it when people ask me, what do you like to use to scout rookies, especially running backs? There's no better metric in my opinion. I love the blend of film, analytics, everything you do that goes into it. So I can't have you on here and not, you know, pick your brain just a little bit, Graham. On yard Do you have like one or two guys from this 2021 class that really stood out to you?
0: Yeah. You know, I've been saying this since like January that this class was awful and (laughs) it's just like very top heavy. And the NFL kind of told us that, you know, there's four backs that went, um, you know, day one and day two. And that's not very common. There's usually like on average, I I went back and looked at this. There's usually like six at minimum and then like 10 at max. Um, It was just a light class, you know, from the top to the bottom. Um, There's like fewer running backs drafted this year than the previous eight years um, of draft. So yeah, off the top, just not a good class, but uh, you know, I think the big three are going to one of them is going to pop in a big way this year, maybe two. Um, I guess we can start with Javante Williams because he led this class in yards created per attempt. Uh, Trey Sermon was second. Uh, Javante Williams also led this class in missed was forced per attempt Um, you know, he's just a fantastic back, man. And I think he went to a perfect situation. You know, a lot of people, uh, have been skeptical of him because of Melvin Gordon and what kind of role Melvin Gordon will come in. And it's true. I mean, Gordon's probably going to play on passing downs, but, um, you know, Williams is already a more talented runner than Javante Williams. Broncos have a fantastic offensive line. And like, when you get a combination of a great back, um, who can force missed tackles and create on his own. Combined with an a, you know an above average offensive line, usually usually the, the results are fantastic. So uh, yeah, I just think I think everything's kind of set up for Javante Williams to do really well. And the, the problem now is the market's like all over it. You know, he's like fifth, sixth round pick and in best ball right now.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love the pick. You know, Pat Shermer, they can talk committee all they want, but he's a historic bell cow breeder. I know your man, Scott Barrett over there, always talks about weighted opportunity, and he's always been a big Pat Shermer truther for how he always, whether it was Steven Jackson, Dalvin, you know, whoever's been in his path, he's always, even, you know, Trent Richardson had monster workloads, and if this guy's as good as Yards Created suggests, you know, all the metrics from Pro Football Focus, I think he broke their, like, record for broken tackles. I'm with you. I think this guy, by mid season and you mentioned Trey Sermon number two I mean could there be a better fit for that zone blocking yeah. team for Kyle Shanahan absolutely love that fit right there
0: yeah man I uh I went back and actually was when I was writing up the the yards created breakdown for the site um I was just doing some research on Sermon because he transferred right he transferred from Oklahoma yeah. to Ohio State when he was transferring from Oklahoma to Ohio State he was watching Shanahan's Niners for oh. his outside zone I shit you not he was watching and you know uh analyzing like their outside zone scheme because there's a lot of parallels between what ohio state and ryan day does and what sermon you know was going into from oklahoma so yeah i mean he has very uh deep familiarity already with this outside zone scheme that shanahan's gonna run and you know the niners kind of i, I think they kind of felt like last year with all their back to dying and they had to make some sort of investment yeah. You know, Mostert was not healthy all year. He had an ankle and a knee injury. Um, they had to do something. And I think Sermon right now, I, th- I still think Mostert is probably going to start the year um, as like the 1A, but I would not be surprised at all if Sermon ends up being like, you know, not not necessarily a bell cow. I don't think that's in his range of outcomes. But, you know, certainly like a, a solid low-end RB2 flex play by, you know, midseason.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And and Kyle Shanahan told him, you know, when they gave that that draft phone call, you know, we. Had to go get you. We, we saw teams coming up, and we were nervous. So, so to put that draft capital into trade up and go get this guy, the highest draft capital they put into a running back in a long time, I'm all I'm all about it. I, I think it's going to be a, a beastly fit, as you said. It might take a little while to get there, but mm-hmm. when you look at their playoff schedule, isn't it something like Houston and the Bengals and the Titans yeah. and like the Falcons all in a four week span? Like.
0: It's gorgeous. It's really Whatever. soft. It's <laughs> yeah. really, yeah, it's really soft. Niners have a pretty soft schedule in general this year, so they got they got pretty lucky after a brutal year last year with all their injuries. Exactly. Uh, and we were talking about that with
1: Pete Overs I think a couple days ago about uh, winning these big best ball tournaments. We're gonna talk about best ball in a second you got to kind of look ahead at those playoff schedules. If you really want to take down these large field ones where weeks 15, 16, 17 really matter. So a guy like Sherman, Lance, all that, those 49ers could make uh, massive gains because of it. So keep your eyes peeled on Javante Williams, Trey Sermon, the two leaders of this class in yards created. I could go all day with yards created the whole other show potentially uh, with you, but I know one other piece of content before we get into the best balls that you've been crushing over there at fantasy points and everybody out there, if you haven't checked out fantasypoints.com. It is truly my favorite site. The first subscription I get every single year. I always do the DFS package. I know you were telling me before we got on the optimizer's even going to be that much beastly this year. I can't wait. Like it's you guys won me a ton of money in DFS last year, so it was a no-brainer. The first subscription I hit. Uh, but one of the, the new pieces of content I've been seeing you guys churn out is your ADP rises and fallers, mm-hmm. uh, but weekly every you know or so. So who are some guys in July that you've seen either rise or fall significantly, and you kind of agree with the market changes on them?
0: Yeah. So, you know, the first one, um, I guess we can touch on his pits, um, you know, back before Julio got traded, the, you know, the hype on him was already crazy. You know, he was, he was already going like the sixth, seventh round in a lot of like NFFC leagues and like the fifth round on underdog, uh, the underdog tournament. Um, now Julio's gone and everybody's lost their minds. You know, he's now fifth round pick, like solid going ahead of Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson. Uh, if you play on FFPC, he's like 28 to 32 overall pick range that's like a round and a half ahead of Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson and an underdog he's a solid fourth round pick you're taking him ahead of Robert Woods Adam Thielen um you know I've just I've been saying this all offseason but all three of these things can be true like he can be the best tight end prospect of, of all time he can be the tight end one in dynasty but he can also be overvalued in season long leagues and that's kind of where I'm at is like You know, the pathway for him to really smash his ADP now is he's got to score, not only have, you know, like the best rookie tight end season ever, he's got to do it by a mile. And the like guideline for that is like, you know, if you're drafting him as the tight end four after, you know, Kelsey Waddle or or not Waddle, but uh, Waller and Kittle, um, he's got to average like 13 and a half, 14 fantasy points per game. And no rookie tight end has ever done that in the modern era. Mike Dicker got close, he was at like 13.6, and that was back in the 60s. Yeah. So, like modern players in as they're in the rookie seasons, it's usually like topping out, like Jordan Reed was like 12 and a half, fantasy points per game. Jeremy Shockey was at like 12, uh, Gronkowski was at like 10 and a half. Um, you know, it's it's it pits can get there, yeah. but the, the pathway for him to really destroy and pay off that ADP. You know, when I'm drafting the fourth or fifth round, I'm looking for guys that can just absolutely obliterate their ADP. I'm looking for straight upside, and I just don't know how much upside Pitts really has left in that cost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that, especially as you mentioned, how the the rookie trends, it just for tight ends doesn't typically smash. If anyone's going to beat it, it would be Kyle Pitts, especially with Arthur Smith, who has used his tight end so well, former tight ends coach. Now with the Falcons, he's used John O. Smith, like Delaney Walker had massive tight end six, you know, routinely. So he could still be used well, still could be used great. And even in that, yeah, at the fourth round, if you're passing Robert Woods, as you mentioned, like the opportunity cost is just too high for me. I'm, I'm with you. I'm much more likely to get. I didn't see getting Hawkins in like round six. Yeah, but give me that, You know, yeah. 150 target upside. Like, who else do they have to throw to there in Detroit? So I'll go for that. I think a similar ceiling, not merely the athlete. I get that, but already pretty established uh, with a huge target load coming in a two round price discount. I, I'm with you there. I, I think that's a little bit much for me as a huge riser. Uh, for sure. Well, why don't we dive in then to the uh, the best ball? Uh, and and I know most of our listeners and anybody tuning in right now, probably if they're live, know what best ball is. But just to quickly summarize again, kind of what is best ball? How does it work? And maybe what are some of your favorite places to play?
0: Um, my favorite place to play is is just the straight uh, NFFC leagues, like where um, you know you got the full PPR. You start three receivers and a flex that's typically where I get all of my action down and they have like a bunch of cool contests too, where you can just do like, um, you know, you can do like 12 man leagues where it's like, you know, hundred dollar entry fee and there's like 800 up top and then like, you know, 300, 250 a second. And then you get, you know, your entry fee back if you finish third. So I love those. Um, I've been, I played a bunch of underdog like in May and June. Um, and now I just think it's gotten extremely inefficient in terms yeah. of ADP. Um, I also loaded up, on a ton of Darrell Henderson in those drafts, so I kind of felt like I'm just sitting back and just gonna kind of just see where I where I fall on that. Uh, I also got lucky too because I've been drafting Packers as well in that thing, so I just kind of I think I'm gonna chill on that for a little while. But yeah, most of my action in the next like six to eight weeks is all probably gonna be at the NFFC. Uh, I'll play a little on the FFPC, um, but again, like their football guys championship, you know. If, Guys were drafting Darrell Henderson in like the 13th, 14th round. You know, Michael Thomas was a big dud there too. So I I think I'm probably going to be pulling back from like the big, big, you know, tournaments where, you know, 50,000 goes to first place and, you know, 10th place gets like a thousand bucks. I'm probably going to be pulling away from those for a little bit from now.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I know Underdogs talked about releasing some new, like you know, the Puppy Part Two and things like yeah. that. So I'll hop in those. They exactly. Have one,
0: they have what? They have a big dog up. It's like a two hundred and fifty dollar entry. I'll probably do a couple of those in the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, those will probably be a little more stable. But I, I've noticed yeah. that too. The ADP is just—it's tough it's to crazy. find an edge at this point. Like yeah. you know, so I'm with you 100. percent Until the next round of news comes through or a new new round of drafts it is tricky to get in right now and and find those huge
0: edges. I think that's key though. I think that's key though. is like, you got to pick your spots in best ball because yeah, you know, I think if you were in on Deandre Swift um, you know, that news that they were going to sign Todd Gurley crashes ADP by round, but nothing changed. You know what I mean? Like he was in this, you know, he was a late second round pick. Now he's a late third round pick. Um, So picking your spots of like when you're actually investing, I think is another important thing. Like if you want to load up on Deandre Swift, you know, now is still the time, but like it all is. of July was the time, too. I,
1: I got him in the actual like, early fourth yesterday, yeah, uh, to pair with Gibson. And I, I had gone Adams, I mean, I had a nice receiver stable, and I also had Gibson yeah. and Swift to go with it. So it was a it's probably my favorite team so far. I gotta post that one up there. Uh, it's crazy. Damn. The running backs are falling insane right now. Um, yeah, and, and it makes sense when you look at the, the win rates and all that good stuff. So, but if you can capitalize on that and get a couple of you guys, you know, that could be top five. In round four, like a Swift, you know, mm-hmm. I, and that's one of the few ways to exploit the, the best ball ADP right now on underdog, at least. I'm not sure where it is everywhere else, but yeah, I've noticed that, especially DeAndre Swift specifically. Uh, yeah, it looks yeah. like a great value. Um, yeah. What are some of your biggest like roster optimization, just overall tips you would say if there's like one to two things, anybody entering these best ball drafts should go <laughs> into it. What, what type of ideas, strategies, mindsets, tips, whatever it might be, would you yeah. offer to them?
0: Yeah, so I wrote um, up on the site um, at fantasypoints.com, I've got a big, like, best ball tiers article. We've been, like, slowly rolling it out. Um, And in the intro, I I kind of walked through some, you know, roster construction stuff that I'd found just, you know, researching in, you know, April, May, and June. And just kind of wanted to put it all in one spot, and I put it there. But uh, I'd been uh, – Rotovis has a fantastic, like, best ball roster construction explorer that, like – I'm not a big fan of like player win rates. Like it's interesting to me that Travis Kelsey had like a twenty three percent win rate last year. Ab Kamara had like twenty four percent. That's interesting. But you know that's kind of obvious too. That's intuitive. Um, right. A lot of the player win rate data is extremely noisy. So I like to look into is structural uh, win-, win rates, you know, where and when to take players, how many players to take at a certain position. And off the top, like, the number one thing I can say, like, for novices, like, if you're just now getting into best ball, don't undervalue receivers. Like, always – if you're going to play on any – pretty much any format, NFFC, underdog, FFPC, you want at least seven. You want at least seven receivers. Sometimes you want eight or nine, just depending on your build. So, I think the the biggest mistake I see new, new players making is not taking enough receivers, um, especially not taking enough receivers in the mid rounds. Like if you you know start your draft with DeAndre Hopkins in the, f- in the second, take Robert Woods in the fourth, and then you don't touch it until the 12th. Well, that wide receiver three to four to five spot is probably going to be pretty brutal. And you're going to be relying on rookies early in the year, uh, which is not what you want to do. You want to wait for your rookies late in the year. Uh, so number one thing is probably it's definitely take take more receivers than you think you should. Uh, throughout your draft. The second thing, and this is something that um, Jack Miller over have established the run and now uh, wrote a world or well, NBC Sports Edge. He's <laughs> he's done a lot of great research on the running back dead zone. And if you just like want to go learn more about the dead zone, seriously, just go read Jack Miller. But um, I kind of was thinking about this from a structural standpoint is like, okay, if we know intuitively that Rounds like three through six rounds, three through seven, whatever way you want to splice it. We know those drafts are true dead zones and the receivers are oftentimes going to outperform the running backs. That makes sense, right? Structurally, that makes sense. What happens if you just take that to the hill and you just say, okay, I'm going to draft one stud running back in the first or second round. And then I wait, I'm going to wait as long as I possibly can to get my second, third, fourth, fifth running backs. What happens? Um, and I looked into this again. Uh, Rotoviz has a fantastic explorer up on their site for this. Um, so I, I labeled it as like <laughs> this was uh, this was the debate on fantasy Twitter what to call it like hero RB or <laughs> modified zero RB. I don't really care, but right. uh, I call I, I in my article I said it was hero RB. So it's you know, one star running back rounds one through two, and then you wait until round six or later. That generated over the last five years. That generated a ten point eight percent win rate. Which is really high. That's like, you know, two and a half, and about two point six percent higher than uh, what you would do if you took two early running backs. Yeah. So then I took it a step further. I said, okay, there's hero running back. What if I? What if we do like a superhero running back? You take one stud running back in the first two rounds, and you wait till round nine or later to take your Mm. second or third running back. And that generated a massive twelve point six percent win rate. Uh, That's like four and a half percent higher than taking two early backs in the first three rounds, that's two and a half percent higher than uh, going zero running back. Um, It's definitely one strategy that's changed uh, my view on how to like structurally attack these best ball teams is, you know, take one running back and then basically just wait. Cause there's that curve of value is so much better in the sixth and seventh rounds as opposed to the fourth and fifth rounds for running backs. So yeah, I think, I think that's like one of the biggest things that I learned like just pulling the data and just kind of keeping an open mind about like how to build teams. I think that was probably the biggest takeaway that I had.
1: Yeah. You're the you know, third or fourth super bright mind that's come on this show and just continue to emphasize. It's not, and I'm a bell cow, especially in redraft everything. I always go running back, running back. right. Like I'm a huge bell cow breeder, yeah. but ultimately like the data does not support that, especially in these large field, huge yeah. tournaments. Um, and so I've started to really force myself to to try to uh, uh, at best I might do two early running backs and then just straight receivers until round like 15. But yeah, yeah. it's tricky to, especially, with, you know, in redraft where it's so much more focused on getting those bell cows. And I know your guy yeah. Barrett's going to have that bell cow article coming out. It is tricky, but you sometimes have to just force yourself to get these receivers and I'm excited to see how my results are. If I fare a little bit better this year with that.
0: Yeah. That's the key too, is like, you know, People ask me, you know, is, is how close is of a game is season-long in managed leagues to best ball? And I was told it's not close. Like, there is right. <laughs> a lot of differences. Like, I would almost never, depending on – it just totally depends on, you know, the, the setup. But I would almost never go with, like, a superhero running back strategy in season-long. Right. You know, I would almost never do that because y- you can easily make up for your mistakes on the waiver wire. In best ball, obviously you can. You know, so you're just kind of taking – know you're you're taking calculated risks in the way that you you know structure your teams in best ball whereas in season long you know you know saquon barkley went down last year that killed pretty much every every team in best ball but you could you could have overcome that in season long if you got mike davis on the waiver wire you picked up you know um you know james robinson on the waiver wire you drafted him late there's there are ways there were outs in managed leagues with running backs that you just don't have in best ball so yeah yeah i still think bell cow or bust works in season long like if you just go like complete robust rb and take three straight that can still work especially this year with the way adp's setting up yeah um but yeah in best ball man it's you, you got to have receivers like that's there's no two ways about it you got to have receivers
1: absolutely uh now for the the remainder of the pot we're going to go position by position And just kind of look at Graham's tiers. We're obviously not going to go every single player. you got to go over to fancypoints.com to see how he lays out his tiers exactly. But I do want to kind of get a little bit of an overview of how you're approaching the position. You know, where do you target it? How often? You've already given us a little bit about running back, receiver, uh, whatnot. So we might not have to spend too much time when we get to those positions. But in general, where you are looking to target that? How many of that position are you typically trying to have on your roster? And then we'll talk about, you know, what are some of your favorite tiers of those players and maybe a a player or two that you're like, this is my single favorite pick as well at the position based on their value. So why don't we start with quarterbacks at the top here? What is your take on the overview of the the landscape when you're going into it? And who are some guys you're targeting and maybe avoiding at the position?
0: Yeah. So from a construction standpoint, you typically want to take just two if you can get away with it. Um, You know, obviously two guys with separate bye weeks, Um, three is fine. It just, it, it it depends. But most of the time you want to take just two so you can use that, you know, that extra roster spot on a late round back or another uh, another receiver. So in general, I'm taking two. Um, and this year is an especially fun year to draft quarterbacks, I think, because, you know, we've got one massive tier between Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Kyler and Dak. And, I, you know, I think Mahomes is probably in a tier of his own, but for just like scoring sake, you know, Allen Jackson, Murray and, and Dak, they all have QB one, the QB one upside. So I kind of lumped them all together, but Mahomes is definitely the one in that tier. Um, I personally, you know, we just talked about the the running back dead zone. I've been drafting like Allen Jackson, Murray and Dak pretty consistently in that four, five, six round range. Um, You know, depending on what you're playing, like the NFFC NFFC runs a draft championship league that's like six points for passing touchdown. Those guys typically go a little bit earlier, um, a little bit too early, in my opinion. Some of them do. Um, But, you know, everywhere else, you know, those guys, that tier one quarterback uh, grouping is going, you know, rounds four through six. And most of the time when I get there, I've at least got two backs or a back and a receiver. And because that range is so hard to draft from, you know, in, in terms of running backs and tight ends too, I've just been kind of taking the upside and the safety of all those great Konami Code quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of been my first strategy. And then if I miss on those guys, man, it's it's Russell Wilson. Like yeah. I freaking love Russell Wilson this year. That's that's kind of my second guy.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah. I and it's I've always been a wait on quarterback guy, but then And even in DFS, you know, pay low at quarterback and load up everywhere else. But last year, it just – you look at all the Millie-making winning lineups and almost every single one of them paid up at quarterback. It was one of the six you just mentioned. It's just a different changing of the guard with these dual threats that are chucking all over the yard and your rules are favoring offenses. And maybe it will be a different year because COVID defenses were behind, all that stuff. I get that argument too. But I think think points are here to stay. I think the quarterbacks that are putting up these crazy stats – probably going to do the same so i i'm with you i've actually been going around you know, five or six if a, a murray mm-hmm. or a Dak falls there it's uh, a, you already have a few receivers a nice running back there get that locked in 25 30 points and that way you don't have to worry about getting two at the one position so yeah, yeah i like that approach a lot
0: yeah i have a i have an article coming out probably closer to the season about just that like just how paying up in quarterback and dfs is like i think that's going to be the biggest new thing in the next you know couple of seasons that we're gonna have to keep our eye on like you mentioned you know the millionaire it wasn't just the millimakers makers i mean it was like the single entry contest yeah. too where it was like you know higher buy-ins a lot of those a lot of those winning lineups a lot of those guys were, were paying up a quarterback and the data parses that out too i'm i'm excited to, to to release that article but yeah fifth round lamar jackson man that's just like that's what dreams are made of this year because that range sucks that range is horrible because you're missing out on like Thielen, locket um it's just it's a tier change at receiver. It's a big tier drop off at running back. Tight end is Andrews and Hawkinson. I'm fine with those guys there. But, man, I just I think the safety and the upside of, like, Lamar and Dak and Kyler in that range is just so sick.
1: Exactly. And, and the other nice thing about going quarterback early, too, is all the research suggests how important stacking is in best ball. And if you have your guy early, whether it's you stacked, like, a, one of the earlier receivers you already had or you know who you have to start targeting with your later round flyers, it just makes that game plan a little bit clearer for you too. Absolutely, which I which I always like. The one guy I find, whether I go early or not, I've almost always getting Ryan Fitzpatrick at the end of all my drafts. What is God. like the perfect way to balance out like the bye weeks and whatnot. I just love the upside he brings um, at his price. It always does have the Konami and the rookie QBs as well. If I go early and I can still sneak a, a Fields or a lance in there, um, I'm liking those values as late guys. Uh, but yeah, Lance. you're not a big fan
0: of that. <laughs> no, no. I just every time I hear Lance, it's just like my ears perk up. That's my guy this year. Lance okay. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lance is my guy. I, I like Fitz too. Um, but if I'm having to choose between, you know, fields or Lance, I'm just going to go with the guy who runs and that's kind oh, of that's what I've been thinking. That's, kinda, right. that's what yeah. I've been thinking.
1: Yeah. Fitzpatrick goes like four or five rounds after yeah. those guys. So, yeah, uh, sure. but yeah, no, if I can get one of those two, especially as we mentioned that schedule for the Niners, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked at all. if There's a lot of Niners and stacks, uh, with Niners yeah. in that championship sure. winning lineup for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll move on, on over to the running backs then. Uh, and you already kind of hinted at it. You, you've you been going big into the, the hero or really the superhero running back. You take one early and you kind of load up on receivers after that. Um, is there guys that one, like you're really hoping to get early? Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, like we get that. But is there other guys, if you're waiting the second round or so, like yeah. who are a couple of your biggest hero running backs you're most exposed to? And then who are some guys you're rounding out your roster with? if you're taking that approach.
0: Yeah. So I, I drafted a bunch of Aaron Jones in the second round, um, oh, yeah. just wow. buying that dip, man. I, you know, I just, I never, I, I won't say I never thought that Rogers wasn't coming back, but it's just like, what was most likely to happen yeah. was Rogers uh, coming back. And then you just get a massive discount on, you know, a player that's been 80% of Alvin Kamara. So um, yeah, Aaron Jones is still my guy. I don't think, people are going to adjust too much. I think Adams will probably be the guy they adjust more to. Mm. Um, Jones has always been a little undervalued. I think uh, he was a mid second round pick last year. I think he'll probably end up in like the late second or early second this year uh, when the Rogers news finally like settles. But yeah, Aaron Jones has been one of my guys. Um, I wanted to be way more on an Eckler, but man, his, it, the hype is just nutty on him. I mean, he's, He's going seven, eight, nine overall now. Um, a lot of the times when I'm in that pick range, I'm going with Kelsey Adams or Hill. Um, yeah. So Eckler, I kind of, I kind of thought he would be a second round pick, which has been unfortunate. Um, then from there, like if I go receiver, receiver, I have a lot of teams where I've gone like Adams, Ridley, or Hill, Ridley. Um, I love J.K. Dobbins in the third. Um, I think he's probably the safest of that group just because of like the way the Ravens have designed their offense. I mean, you know, if he's Mark Ingram from 2019 and we get 240 carries, 1,200 yards, and 12 touchdowns, yeah, that third, you know he's probably not going to like absolutely smash at ADP, but he's definitely safer than like Swift or Carson. Um, in that range, so I, I do like Dobbins, and then late it's been tough because I, I loved Darrell Henderson. Um, so now I kind of feel like I'm missing a limb in like the 12th round because he's like an auto pick for me. Um, I, I like Latavius a little, um, it's really just kind of like a shotgun approach in that range. Um, I, I like Latavius, I think Jamal Williams sets up well, his ADP really hasn't changed too much. Um, and I like James White kind of super, super oh, late yeah. just for a floor, you know, because he's like. You know, he's guaranteed to get that 50, 60, 70 targets as a floor. And then, you know, on weeks where I've got, you know, Dalvin Cook going for 23, I'm fine with James White scoring me nine to 11 points and being my RB2. I'm good with that.
1: Every single name you brought up would be ones that I would want to highlight too, <laughs> especially Aaron Jones these days. Like, yeah. I think you were getting him around too. I mean, this was the running back two and five. Now, know Jamal Williams, who was absorbing. He didn't get a it's ton huge. of like targets, but he was running routes like crazy. So,
0: I was just talking to Scott about this. We literally just talked about this yesterday. I'm like, dude, Jamal Williams, that his loss is like so undervalued because right. Williams, like you mentioned, he didn't get a lot of targets, but he played a bunch. Exactly. And all that's going to go to Jones because AJ Dillon's like a complete zero in the passing game.
1: A hundred percent. you got to imagine an Aaron Jones route run is significantly more value than a Jamal Williams. Right. Yeah, he might've just been a decoy, a space take up, or that sense, But I think Aaron Jones could do a ton of damage if that just spikes even a little bit. So I, I love the, the, the dip you were getting there. And, and he, I, I'd rather have him than Eckler. So if you're getting him in round Me two too. after getting a, a Kelsey and an Adams, that might not last too much longer, but those teams are going to be scary. Whatever you were con- constructing early on. Love that one. James White late. I mean, with Matt Jones, Potentially starting right from the start. He's getting first team reps already, they're saying in Patriots yeah. camp. Uh, the buzz around here in New England right now is he's getting some first team reps. That would skyrocket his value, and nobody's paying attention to that. So I love that one. And Murray as well, mm-hmm. if, if this whole if Michael Thomas injury ends up giving Taysom a better start, you know, shot at starting. Murray was feasting. A lot yeah. of people don't seem to be recognizing what he was doing. He was outscoring Kamara some weeks. And I don't think that's going to be the norm the or the, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen, but he was getting a lot of work and a very ground-centric attack as they used Kamara a little bit more all over. I, I think that's a great play. Plus, if anything ever, God forsake it, happens to Kamara. Yeah. We've seen it. He was a 30-point-a-week a type of guy. So yeah, All those picks are, are fantastic suggestions, um, so I'm 100% with you there. I love all of them. Uh, What about at wide receiver, as you said, early, often as many as you can get at least eight. Uh, I've tried to get at least nine in my drafts because it makes sense. Those guys in round 15, if you get a a Tyrell Williams have one, 150 and two TD week, like that's going to significantly help you out. So it makes sense to have as many receivers as you can for those flex spots to fill those out. Uh, But. How is your approach to the position um, beyond just you know, early off as many as you can get? Who are some guys and tiers you're really trying to make sure you get into?
0: Yeah, it's really that third round. And it kind, of, it kind of feels like the same thing as last year where I was super heavy into the third, fourth round uh, receivers last year. It's kind of the same thing this year. It's just a, a great setup with um, pretty much everybody in that range, man. I, I yeah. like uh, pretty much all of them except for um, – Again, I I feel like an ass, but, like, I really wasn't that in on Michael Thomas. Like, I liked him from, like, the way, you know, a cost perspective. But I had, like, Keenan and and Allen Robinson higher, so I got lucky there too. But, um, yeah, man, I think fourth-round Thielen is just stealing. Like, I I still can't believe he's a fourth-round pick. Like, in May, he was, like, a fifth. And now he's adjusted a little bit more, and he's kind of come back into that, like, Mike Evans and Godwin range. Um, But, yeah, Thielen's been a big – big target of mine in, in that, you know, fourth round, you know, really any time in the fourth round, early fourth, mid and late.
1: Yeah. I've seen him even fall into the fifth at times. I got yeah. him yesterday, uh, early fifth. That, that one team is, it's insane. I got to post it. I think you'll be a big fan of that one uh, <laughs> that that I got. I couldn't believe it. I was sitting at the beach with a buddy. I'm like, yeah, let's do a draft, win a million today. And we're just, the draft was unfolding. Like, Holy shit. We missed, this is going to be the million. <laughs> I, I was pumped about that one. So yeah, I love feeling, I'm loving McLaurin. I got pretty lucky too in the sense that the Allen Robinson and MT was kind of the decision for a lot of these. And I was going Allen Robinson every single time, what he's been doing throughout his career with complete garbage hurling to him. Uh, if the floor is that and, and fields could unlock a new ceiling. I, I don't think a lot enough people are talking about how much of a, a potential he has as the wide receiver one, like the wide receiver one. Now that Rogers is back and Adams is in, it's probably going to be that guy again, especially if this is the last dance for those two together, you know, they're going to be chasing stats, but I really could see, you know, Fields the, – the big critique on him was he locked onto his number one too much. Good news for Allen Robinson. <laughs> if that, if that's really the case, and I know a lot of people disprove that, but still all, all gravy for Allen Robinson there. So I love him in round three. What about when you're kind of taking those big stabs late? Is there any high upside guys that – whether it's mid to late guys that, that you really are finding yourself exposed to a, an underdog? or wherever?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I, honestly, it's been a lot of the rookies. Uh, I, I got in on Elijah Moore before the rocket ship took off. So yeah. uh got in on that when he was, you know, consistently like going in the 12th, 13th round. I love Rondale Moore, too. The Moore brothers have kind of been like my two yeah. guys, um, especially on Kyler teams. Just an easy stack. Um, and, and Rondale's price really hasn't adjusted like super, super much. Um, outside of that, man, I think I think once you get past like the guys that go in like the 10th round where that's like the end of like you know Mike Williams, Waddle and Pittman. I think it's just like a big long flat tier. I kind of like TY Hilton. It's gross, it's super gross, but uh, you know Philip Rivers arm was shot last year and if we know anything about Carson Wentz it's that he loves to be aggressive and throw into tight windows. Um I think the reason why TY came, started to kind of pop at the end of last year is cuz they opened up that offense a bit more. Um, and I think with Wentz, um, I think I think Hilton will probably end up being not like his runaway number one target, but I think Hilton offers like a nice, um, nice value. I won't say Hilton's going to be a league winner by any stretch, but I think he's a solid value as like a wide receiver four or five right now.
1: Absolutely. I, I think uh, a couple points on both, a lot of those guys you brought up. One with Rondell Moore, uh, I talked about this with Pete on Monday in terms of looking at the playoff schedule like obviously stackings important but also game stacking down the stretch the cowboys get the the cardinals in like that that last championship week and again you have to make the championship to actually have that matter but if you do let's say you get zeke early like you want a kyler and rondale stack and even if you don't get kyler like try to get that guy late cuz that game could just go bers- berserk just you know dfs how important game stacking was right. do that with your your best ball potentially too uh but also um 100 percent So he's targeting those game stacks late. And then uh oh, who's the last person you just brought up? I wanted to make sure to touch on him. T-T-Y.
0: TY Hilton. Yeah.
1: yeah. So the, the, the Colts have a ridiculously easy schedule for those last four weeks as well. Um, and one of those things with the Colts is they're they're nobody wants them. They're all so cheap other than Jonathan Taylor, but they're projected for I believe the fourth highest like weekly implied total by yep. Vegas. So you know, I don't necessarily love them on paper either, but you got it. Vegas knows what they're talking about. They they consistently get it right. Yep. So that's gotta be factored in. And so, so who am I going after? Well, why not the receiver who for more often than not is 1k going deep, blowing up more often, and now has that deep arm? Hopefully, Frank Reich, you know, whether or not he can unlock Wentz again remains to be seen. But the last time they were together, he was on pace for the MVP season. So yep. I, I love that. I like that as like a, if you get TY, maybe you get Wentz a few rounds later, late, like a, a late cheap stack. Uh, regardless of what you've already done. I think that's a fantastic strategy uh, for the position. It sounds gross. I'm with you. It's like, you're not going to
0: feel, you're not going to be like tapping yourself on the back after you draft T.Y. Hilton in the 12th round, but he'll give you a couple nice usable weeks.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm hundred percent with you there. Um, what about a tight end? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you going for the Kelsey's and Waller's early? Or is that too much of an opportunity cost for you? How are you kind of uh, you know approaching the tight end position and, and who are some guys you often are landing?
0: Yeah, Kelsey, I'm I'm good with, man. I think sixth, seventh, eighth overall. um, I think that's fine for him. Uh, You can come back and still get Aaron Jones. Uh, You can come back and do like kind of a, you know, some sort of, you know, pass catcher heavy build um, and go true zero RB with it. There's just a lot of pathways that you have with Kelsey. And I kind of view Kelsey as like a McCaffrey type player that like he's giving you such a massive positional advantage that like okay, yeah, you're paying the iron cost for it, for sure. But at the same time, like, you know, those points add up and that differential at that position adds up. Um, so, yeah, I'm in on Kelsey. I love Waller. Uh, I, I think my – not I think. My biggest mistake by by far last year was being out on Waller. Like, I had only a couple teams with him in the fifth, sixth round, um, and I just completely overestimated uh, the additions of, like, Rugs. I thought Rugs would get more targets. Edwards obviously got hurt. Brian Edwards got hurt. Um, they needed Nelson Aguilar badly, but at the end of the day, like Waller, (laughs) man, we have two years now where he's been like clear cut 25, 28% target share. I see no reason for that to change. (laughs) Um, and I'm kind of treating Waller in that like late second, like I was treating Kelsey as a late second last year. Um, Mm -hmm. I loved Kelsey in the late second. Um, that kind of actually made up for my terrible call on Waller, but, um, yeah, Waller I'm in on, um, Kittle, Kittle's one of those guys where I'm like. I'm not going to go out of my way to like overdraft him like I would Waller. Um, I've gone as high as like 15, 16 with Waller. I would not do that with Kittle just because, you know, quarterback change is coming, run heavy offense. IU can Samuel are awesome. Um, But Kittle in like the mid third is, is pretty sick. I've got quite a few teams with Kittle in the mid third. So I'm good with him as like a value pick there just to kind of, um, you know, not have to worry about tight end too much. Um, And then from there, like I'm sprinkling in Andrews. I like Hawkinson a little. It's just I think the lines are gonna stink. Like yeah. what's Hawkinson's touchdown upside? Like that's really my only problem with Hawk. It's like, you know, he could catch eighty balls this year and only score five touchdowns. Um, which is fine to pay off that ADP. Um, but I love Tyler Higby. I, I, yeah. I have not been a Higby guy at all. <laughs> like I have him on no dynasty teams. Actually, actually I have him on one. I just traded for him a couple weeks ago. Um I've just not been a Higby guy. I' thought he's always been overvalued because of Gerald Everett and his role and now Everett's gone, and people haven't adjusted. You know, Higby was an eighth-round pick last year, um, and I think he should be going in the eighth round now with no Gerald Everett. Um, Rams don't really have an entrenched number three. They really don't have a pass-catching running back either. Jarrell Henderson's never been a a fantastic pass catcher. Um, So Higby is one guy I've got a big position on in, like, the ninth, tenth, um, and I've gotten him a few times in the 11th. So love, uh, love some Higby and um, I think people kind of forgot the Rams paid him a ton of money a couple years ago or like yeah. two years ago. They, they gave him a huge new contract. So they're going to try and make sure that they feature him and you know, they have incentive to make sure that they, they don't look like idiots on that. So I think he's going to get that role that everybody's been wanting to get.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> How is it not seared in our brains that, that end of season finish what a couple seasons ago yeah. when he was on pace for like 16 touchdowns, 1,700 yards, 200 targets in the four games that uh, Everett missed? But he wasn't, it wasn't just like one game. I mean, it was four or five games that he just dominated. Now you get a better quarterback in there, as you said, a, a lack of really other pass catchers other than those two big studs at receiver. I love the Higby call. In fact, that's like if I don't get the Waller and Kelsey, which I'm with you, I have no problem paying that iron price at tight end. It makes it so much nicer at a onesie position. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm getting 20 points a week from this guy. I don't have to think about it anymore. Uh, but if I do miss out, I've most often found myself getting like a Higby or a, a, that eight to nine round range. Higby, Logan Thomas, I like a lot in that in that area. That's where I find myself most often dipping because I think by then there's been a huge drop off at running back. Is truly. Nobody I want until, like, round 15 at that point yeah. at running back. Very few receivers. Like, Elijah Moore might still be lingering. But it's crazy. as you said, it's crazy that he was, like, round 14 not, not too yeah. long ago. And yeah. now it's round nine if you really want to get more. I miss it. I miss,
0: I miss those cheap Elijah uh, Moores.
1: <laughs> it was so nice for those few few weeks we had it. Uh, I like that eight to nine range. It's really not a whole lot I'm liking. You can still get the upside QBs of Trey Lance and Fields a couple yeah. rounds later. There's no QBs I'm really looking at in eight to nine. Like that that's a good spot to get your tight end. I think Higby is a great name. Him or Logan Thomas. I've been landing uh, a ton in recent best balls. Awesome stuff, Graham. Well, I love to wrap up with everybody with the no huddle offense. I don't know if you remember that from last year where we do a rapid fire of 20 burning questions where you just kind of think the first name to come to your mind. You uh, down to to rip through that with me?
0: Yeah, man. This is my favorite part. Let's do it.
1: Awesome. Let's go. Uh, In order, the first three picks in every 2021 draft should be?
0: Um. Yeah, CMC and Cook. I go back and forth on Kamara and Henry, but I think with the Thomas news, it's Kamara now.
1: Travis Kelsey should go no later than pick number.
0: Let's see. McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Kamara, Zeke. Um, I I love him in that like six, seven range. So I'll I'll say no later than seven.
1: The next Mahomes, Lamar, Jackson, Josh Allen, that late round winning, league winning TV. Who's that going to be?
0: Oh, man. Trey Lance. Trey Lance, easy. Yeah, love Trey Lance this year.
1: Love it. Who's the veteran who gained the most off season value this offseason?
0: Hmm. Veteran who gained. Uh come back to me on that one if you can. Absolutely. We'll we'll return. What about who lost? Do you have anybody off the top
1: of the mind for who might have lost a lot of value?
0: Um Yeah, come back to me on that one too. Let me think about that some more.
1: Yeah, we've gotten a lot of Melvin Gordon. James Robinson's not really a veteran, but kind of like yeah. a veteran. So those have been a, some popular ones for that one. Yeah. What do you think the rookie 101 should be?
0: Um, that totally depends. Like if you're completely dead at receivers, Jamar Chase. Like if you, if you have like no blue chip assets, Jamar Chase. Um, yeah. But if you're like, damn, you know, I just got really unlucky. I lost Barkley last year. I lost McCaffrey last year. I think Harris is probably like the quicker, you know, uh, return on value.
1: Yep. In a super Superflex, too. Would you still say that, or are you oh, going to QB?
0: Yeah, no, Lawrence, for sure. Lawrence, I, my top three in Superflex is quarterbacks. Lawrence, um, Lance, and Fields.
1: I was going to ask if you might have had Lance above Lawrence, given how high you are for this year. But yeah, you know, I'm not
0: I'm not crazy, though. That's the thing. <laughs> I love Lance, but I'm not nuts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> love it. Uh, who do you think is going to be the biggest flop of this class, biggest rookie flop?
0: Hmm. I could see it being Michael Carter and it's not that he's a flop. I mean, he was a day three pick, but just based on where he's going, um, you know, that could turn into a committee real quick. Jets could stink real quick. Again, I, I could see that.
1: Who's the current NFL player that
0: you just hate the most? Oh man. I don't hate anybody. I just hate, <laughs> I hate ADPs. I hate bad value. Um, Man, the guy I hate the most had
1: birds. You really bad ever.
0: <laughs> uh, I won't say I hate him, but Odo Beckham just annoys me. Like he's like the last player in the NFL I'd want to get a beer with. So probably, <laughs> probably Beckham.
1: <laughs> that's a good way to phrase it. Yeah. Who do you think is a free agent that's going to crush in their new home this year?
0: Mm, free agent's going to crush in the new home. Damn. Um. There weren't a lot of big movers this year, if you think about it. It was, nah. kind of a, it was kind of a bad year for, for free agents. Um, Mike Davis is probably the most like
1: almost like <sighs> unanimous answer on this one.
0: <laughs> Dude, what? I know. I thought of, that was the first person I thought of too, but I have been so just like wish wishy-washy on Davis. Like what happens if they sign somebody and they're yeah. just like, you know, those fifth, six-round Davis shares are just dead. Mm. Um, man. I think, not for fantasy, but I think the Will Fuller signing is going to be huge for that offense. They needed a field structure so bad. And like, it's, it kind of sucks because I, ha- I really don't have much Fuller. I've got a bunch of them in Dynasty, but from just like a, you know, X and O's perspective, it's going to be huge for that Dolphins offense. So I'll say Fuller.
1: Love it. Who's the early rounder one or two that you think busts the hardest this year?
0: Mm. Man. I don't know. The first guy I thought of is Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I don't know I you know Scott and I've been talking about this too like I like Taylor I think he's got like a Nick Chubb he's on that like Nick Chubb Derrick Henry spectrum but like if the Colts completely flop like Taylor is a game script dependent back probably yeah. um, I think his like he has his range of outcomes are just crazy to me because I think he has top three in his range of outcomes and I also think he has like outside of the top 12 in his range of outcomes so first rounder probably Taylor like it.
1: Who's the mid-rounder that ascends to 2022 early
0: rounds? Oh, baby. Javante. Javante Williams, man. Melvin Gordon's going to be gone next year. That contract's up. I think is going to ball this year. 100% in agreement there. A
1: late-round league winning, either running back, wide receiver, tight end. Uh, who's a, your favorite late-round league winner this
0: year? I think it's going to be Higby. I think it's going to be Higby. Um, like I said, Rams don't have a three. Um, he's going to play every snap. they are guys behind him, like Johnny Munt. He's got, like, 10 career catches uh, Jacob Harris is a pro, you know project player. Bryson Hopkins didn't play last year, basically. So I mean, it's it's Higby, it's Higby, it's Higby's job to get you know ninety to one hundred and ten targets, and I think he can do it. Love it.
1: What's the most important training camp story about Amari?
0: <laughs> Amari Cooper's injury. Mm. He uh, we we talked with Edwin Porras last night uh, on the Two bar Show. Scott and I did. And uh, it got me real scared about Cooper because he was one of those guys. It was like Keenan, A-Rob, and Cooper were my three guys in that third round. Um, And then Thomas was four. But I was just like always getting one of those top three. Um, Go listen to our podcast because Edwin does a much better job of like explaining Cooper's injury. He should not be dealing with his ankle issues. So I think right now that's like the biggest like injury news that, that is kind of flying under the radar right now.
1: Imagine that, what that would mean for CD Lamb too. Like if he gets up, put on the pup for the first six weeks or something. Oh,
0: course. Course. <laughs> that, don't yeah. even don't even freaking don't even put that into the like the universe. Uh, we don't need that. We but, don't need that energy. <laughs> What's the uh, the
1: sophomore running back you want the most and the least out of this impressive class?
0: Hmm. Uh, so like last year's rookies?
1: Yeah, last year. Okay.
0: Um, the most, man. I, I, I think it's really close between Dobbins and Edwards Alaire. Um, I'll go with Dobbins just because I, I, I at the end of the day, Rich Rebar's talked about this a lot. We're looking for touchdowns, and Dobbins has that in the bag. So I'll go with Dobbins. The least, it's, it's cherry picking, but I'll go Zach Moss. Those running backs are just, they're, yeah. why even invest? Like yeah. <laughs> Moss and Singletary are going to score like seven points a game.
1: Absolutely. The next question was do you think Rodgers leaves? We all know that that is not the case. Do you think DeVonte Adams is the number 1 receiver still or do you have anybody else above him this year?
0: Um I actually just made that move. I got Adams above Hill. I got Adams at 6 and I'm going to end up with a lot of uh, DeVonte Adams. <laughs> I I have the I have a feeling already that I'm going to have a lot of Adams in like the back half of that first round. So I, I'm probably going to go all in. Love it. Uh who's the player you'd least like to fight? <laughs> <laughs> Trent Williams, man, that dude is a beast. He is humongous, monster. Seeing him like push like grown ass three hundred pound defensive lineman back on their ass is unbelievable. He, he would literally eat me and chew me out like, alive. Like it, it would not even be close. So for sure, Trent Williams. Just one bite, What, like about, what about you? I got I got to know who's your answer. Who would you least like to fight? So I, most,
1: a lot of people say Aaron Donald, and that's a tough one to to not agree with. Okay.
0: See the I, thing is Trent Williams is 6'6". Aaron Donald is six feet. Like he would beat my ass for sure. But at the same time, Williams is just a way scarier. Right. <laughs> I think from a right. perspective. My
1: my favorite answer so far though is uh, Harditz came on and he said uh, he would he would go actually Justin Tucker because he's like you know, get <laughs> our asses beat by everybody. But if like Justin Tucker comes and knocks you out then you can't live it down. Like, you're screwed. So that was one of my favorite answers on this. That's
0: a great one. one. Yeah,
1: I love that one. Uh, And last couple here. Who do you think is the most intriguing coaching hire of
0: 2021? Ooh, um, I'm going to go a little off the board. Um, The Dolphins have two offensive coordinators, Mm -hmm. Eric Studsville um, and Godley. Uh, Godley was actually the the OC for the Texans back in 2015-16. So I'm actually really interested to see what, the Dolphins offense looks like I think that like I've been writing up like pace and tendencies uh for our franchise focus series over on fantasy points and the Dolphins were like the team that it took me like hours to kind of figure out like what that might look like because they they have two guys that have really never called plays in the NFL before yeah
1: yeah that's going to be intriguing for sure and who's the guy you won't leave your 2021 drafts without this year
0: um man I really wish I could have said Darrell Henderson because that was like that was my main guy (laughs) yeah um one guy i'm just not let me think um man it really might be lamar like Mm -hmm. fifth or sixth round it's just especially in season long i I will say like i've been splitting it in best ball but i just think lamar is set up so well for just like a monster season and you know he was a huge value in 18 he was overvalued well 19 he's overvalued last year and now i'm 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 Way in. So yeah, I think Lamar is my guy in season among this year.
1: Absolutely. And last one here, what's your boldest prediction for this season coming up?
0: Uh, let's stick with the Higby theme. I say, yeah. I think he's going to finishes the, you know, let's say top five tight end. We'll go top wow. five tight end. He's drafted outside. Is that hot enough? You think that's hot that's enough? Hot. Yeah, that's okay. hot. He's going yeah. like
1: tight and 11, 12, you know, right. top five is tough to yeah. crack into. All right. I'll, so.
0: I'll go, I'll go Higby top five.
1: How many touchdowns?
0: let's say he gets uh 75 catches,
1: eight touchdowns. Love it. All right. We wrap up here with just a, a few industry spotlights. Who do you kind of consider your role model or someone you've, you've really learned a lot from and, and look up to in the
0: industry? Oh man. So many, um, you know, John Hansen obviously he hired me when I was still in college. Yeah. Um, Evan Silva um, gave me like, a humongous role. It like wrote a role that I was not prepared for at like 20. Uh, I learned so much from that and from him. Uh, man, JJ Zacharyson for sure. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot for sure.
1: So many legends right there. Um, what about underrated, a fantasy sleeper analyst, whether from fantasy points or anywhere else out there that you want to shout out that, that you think deserves more followers.
0: Yeah. Jake tribe. Um, he's a guy that's uh, Scott brought along with him from PFF. Uh, Jake's, uh analysis and writing is really really good uh he's going to be doing a bunch of dfs stuff for us this year um and jack miller from establish the run and uh roto world i I mentioned him earlier i think he's fantastic he's like one of my new favorite writers i I read pretty much everything he writes
1: yeah he's fantastic and we'll wrap up here with just a reminder of where to find you and your work and connect with you
0: yeah man i'm at graham barfield on the twitter machine uh fantasypoints.com is where you can get all of my stuff all of the site projections um you know we have like a big brain trust where we put all of our minds together for a projection so it's a little bit of you know john's work a little bit of my work scott's work joe and tom too um check that out and if you want to get 10 off you want to get 10 off you definitely do 21 barfield 10 save you like 12 smackers on a on a premium subscription so definitely check that out
1: Hell yeah. And I, I can just reiterate and jump on that. It's my favorite premium sub that I always jump on first thing every, uh, the last two years since it's been started, all my favorite writers are, are there. So absolutely can fully endorse that one, especially season long DFS stuff too. I, I've never always been okay at DFS, but you guys yeah. truly helped me take it to the next level last year. And I can't cool. wait to do it again this year. Punk, cool. man. Well, I'm going to stick around and answer some questions. We got the comments coming in, but Graham, So appreciative. Thank you so much for your time tonight. It's always a pleasure talking ball with you. Um, Best of luck this year.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Good luck in your drafts and good luck with the site this year. I hope you guys crush it.
1: Thanks. You guys as well, man. Cheers. All right. We'll see you. Later, grab. Um, All righty. Let's get on into here. K Cool Whip, legend. What's going on? Good to see you, man. What's going on, Mitch? Always here. Love to see it. Love and seeing Rogers uh, unfiltered. Yeah, big press conference today, huh? He's He's kind of grown on me. You know, I admit you've been following us a while, so you know I was a staunch, like, I hate Rodgers, never want anything to do with him these last couple of years. I, he's grown on me. I hated his work on Jeopardy, so I still can't say I officially love the guy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's turned a corner for me. That I don't necessarily hate him anymore, at least. What's going on, fella? Tunes, the pack is in. All these guys love to see it. Brian Martinez, Michael Carter over Javante Williams. Intriguing take, my man. That is a scorcher, and I like it. Melvin Gordon is just going to get the touches if he's healthy. Carter has two first round picks and Becton and and I love that side of the line. I'll give it to you. Uh, I'm on the, I'm with what I think Graham would answer here too. I think Williams is just the better talent there. And ultimately, yes, Gordon might be getting the touches early on if he's healthy and it's going to be a split backfield. But to me, if, if I'm looking at the end of the season, that second half of the where it really gets down to the business, Who's gonna be on those most rosters of championship teams? To me, it's Williams. I think he's the type of guy that could truly vault a team in the next level. I think Carter is really good. I think he's a great fit for his zone blocking scheme. Behind the line, as you just pointed out, has gotten significantly better these last couple of years. I'm very excited to see what he does. And in round nine, love it. But I, if it's you know, push comes to shove. I like having both these guys. I would obviously, in my opinion, go Javante just because I believe in the talent and think he down the stretch is going to be a complete monster. Whereas I think Michael Carter might be a nice, useful. RB2, potentially all year if he keeps that job. Uh, But you never know, too. They're both from the Shanahan system, and you know how that's been a nightmare. It's either a gold mine with the Shanahan system. You either get like a 2K Arian Foster, uh, you know, Steve Slayton for years. Like It's a beautiful gem, or it's a committee that you just can never track down each week. I do think Carter's going to be on the better side of that, but um, with Tevin Coleman, the only guy blocking him, I agree. I will say, though, I also really, really like late drafts, 20-round plus drafts. Ty Johnson's getting mixed into the the, the starting running back mix in this competition. He has always looked good when he's gotten the opportunity. I'm not saying Ty Johnson's this monster, right? But anytime he's gotten touches, he's put up yards. I mean, 20 carries in that one game last year he had over 100 yards. Like, I like what I see from Ty Johnson. So don't discredit what he could do either. Yet, Brian, um, the Jets' offseason. I'm with you too. Getting rid of Gase and I love the zone blocking scheme they get in there. So I like. I'm with you. I don't want to sit here and say I don't like Carter. I love him. I, I have. He's probably my third highest exposed running back on Best Ball right now. Um, I love his ninth-round price. I think it's going to skyrocket now that we're getting reports that he's running as the 1A. Love it. Love it. So I'm with you there. Who was the big three? Oh, Dookie. What's going on, man? Good to see you. Uh, I'm thinking big three. Are you talking what position? Tight end, quarterback? Uh, you'll have to get back to me. On, uh, what, what you're, if you're still there, Bruce, I'm not sure exactly what you're referring to from that point of it. Football. <laughs> yes, Colin. Pumped to see football back on. Yeah, Charlie Preble. What's, up, what's going on, man? Always talking to the DMs. Good to see you, man. I'm glad you're able to tune in here. Um, maybe a or Fields breaks out second half. Absolutely. I'm with you there. Um, I, th- I think both of those guys. I-, I like them both. I personally prefer Fields just I think he's a little bit better of a passer. Faced tougher competition. But Lance, he ran a 4-4 four, four too. Fields is actually faster than Lance. I think a lot of people don't recognize that because Lance was such a, a rushing threat in college. They're both going to be studs. And Lance's stretch run schedule is I want to keep reiterating how good that 49er stretch run schedule is because that's going to win people titles. I, I think both of them could be league winners uh, as soon as they take over. <laughs> Greg, what's up, man? The wolf is teeing off. Sponge the, the goddamn fellas. It's fire. You're the man. Thank you so much for your kind words. You're the, the you guys are the, the ones that keep me fueled and fired up to, to do this every day as we do it. You guys are the best. Thomas would have been great if he didn't have an injury. I agree. I love the price on Michael Thomas um, in the mid-third there, but I was more often getting Allen Robinson just because I, I thought he was even more egregiously mispriced, uh, and I love the the upside he has with Fields. So I, I was going more so uh, him. But if you're still there, Bruce, let me know what you meant by the big three. I want to make sure I get your question there too. Thoughts on Mixon, uh, Mixon asked Brandon Haas. How polarizing can you be, right? Like everything is in his corner to blow up this year. Bernard's gone when Bernard has been out he's averaged i think it's like 50 his snap share goes from like 50 60% to like 75%. The receiving work obviously skyrockets. There's no competition for volume. The talent when he's healthy, you can't question. The guy is one of the premier backs in the league and he can do it all. He's going to handle that receiving work. And the coach has already said, "We don't want him off the field. If we he's only going to come off if he wants to come off." So you're looking at like a 65-70, maybe even 75% snap player the high talent in an offense that I think is going to really take off this year. You had Jamar chase, uh, you you know, to go with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. That's probably the best trio of receivers in the NFL. If chase takes off, like I think he does. If burrows as real as I think he is, I think both are very, real. I think burrow could sneakily lead the league in passing this year, which only helps keep those boxes lighter for Joe Mixon. So everything is there. There's no reason to not really like him. Besides like the line is a little concerning and the injury risk. And just like, the Fu factor every year he's had a pretty good setup for multiple years. And he just like at the end of the year, he's like 12th in points per game, 10th in points per game. But really, if you owned him, you kind of knew it was like, fuck you, Joe, for five weeks, like useless. And then blew up for a couple and made his padded his stats a little bit. So I'm on the fence. I typically don't land him, Brandon, because he's going the same range as like Antonio Gibson. Give me Gibson. He's going the same range as Aaron Jones. Give me Jones. Uh, there's, there's guys I'm always going to take above Nixon at the same price point. So I'm not going to end up with him. That could bite me in the ass because he has as good of a narrative as anybody to finish top five, just at his price. There's guys I like more, so I don't end up with them. Uh, but let me know what your thoughts are. If, if you're into that. Thank you, Bruce. I'm, I'm so pumped to tune do in, Dookie. Great to see you, man. Uh, I know we talk a lot on Twitter, so to have you for a live show is awesome. Outlook for Trey Sherman, Mark H. I think we talked about him a bit on the show, uh, but just to kind of reiterate, I love him. Glove-like fit for the zone-blocking scheme. He was number two in Graham's uh, yards created. Uh, an awesome predictive metric. Uh, my favorite for rookie running back. So that was great to include in there. I didn't know he was that high up. I forgot that. I always look at his stuff, I forgot he was that high up in his outlook. Mostert, probably going to be the starter. It might take a few weeks for Sherman to take over, but we know the Mostert deal at this point. He's a sports car. Fast, sexy. It's going to be nice for the – he had the two – Fastest tight uh, runs this year by ball carriers, and they both came in weeks one and two. So Mosher is huge upside, but we know how that goes. He's going to be dinged. He's going to get nicked up. And I think if and when that happens, Sermon, once unleashed, isn't going to go back. <laughs> the cage door opens, he's staying out there, and he's going to be crushing it, Mark. Uh, so I absolutely love Sermon, especially with that easy schedule for the 49ers down the stretch. I think he could be the guy. We've seen Shanahan's zone scheme work so many wonders for nobody's. For him to go and trade up for this guy uh, really suggests how highly they think of him, and and, and for good reason. Well, did you hear? I don't know if you were here, Mark H, for the beginning where uh, Graham talked about. Sermon actually watched film of Shanahan's scheme when he transferred to to Ohio State because of how similar the concepts were. I mean, he is very versed in what's going to be happening on this team, and an easy schedule. Trey Lance, you know, mobile QB, opening those cutback lanes even more. I love Sermon. I love both guys. I honestly, you know. Most are going around eight right now. Like, I'll take them both to be honest. Maybe not in best ball because that's not the best practice, but at a redraft, give me the whole backfield. I love his zone blocking scheme, but to me, one or the other, it's got to be Sermon. It's not even close. I, I think he's going to eat down the stretch markage. Keeper Aaron Jones in the fourth or Lamar Jackson in the seventh. Ooh, spicy. I'm partial to bell cows unless this is a super flex. If it is a super flex, uh, then that would be a different case. Uh, but ultimately, I I lean the running back there. A bell cow, a, a monster, Aaron Jones running back two and five the last two years in round four. Sign me up all day. I think Lamar Jackson in the seventh is also a great value, but he'll probably fall to five or six. You're not gaining quite as much steam at a less valuable position. You can get a guy like Herbert there, or something of that nature. So, so give me Aaron Jones there at those prices. Um, what is Jake's Twitter handle? I, I don't know. I, I meant to ask him when he was raving about him, Bruce. Uh, I want to know as well. So I'll DM him and I, I can send it your way as well. I'm sure Scott, if you follow Scott Barrett and uh, Graham Barfield, they probably retweeted his stuff recently. I don't know if you're a subscriber to uh, fantasy points. Again, I couldn't emphasize how great they are. Uh, I, one of my highest recommended. If you're going to pay for a service, I think they're one of the best out there. Uh, maybe the best, as I was saying. Uh, so I, I like, uh, I'll figure that out for you, Bruce. You're my DMs. We're talking all the time. So remind me and I'll, I'll make sure to send that to you. What's your thoughts on Julio Astunes? I, I'm not landing him often. And it's not, obviously you don't, nobody dislikes the player. <laughs> if you put a, you said, make me a uh, receiver. Julio Jones is what you come up with, right? Like he is the absolute man. Um. So uh, still, I think he's going to have it for however long he lasts. I do get annoyed by the little dicks, you know, the, the dinks and the dings. And every, every year there's a hamstring flare up where he's not playing at hundred percent, like probably going to happen this year as he continues to get older and older. Love the efficiency of that offense, but it is a run-centric scheme. So where he's going, like, give me the Rams receivers, right? Give me uh, Godwin, Evans in that range. Uh, that's where I find myself more often landing tunes. Um, but if you're into Julio, I mean, I love Tannehill. So stacking those guys up in best ball, I know you stacked him up in our our uh, dynasty league over there. Love that move. Um, even if he's not long for a dynasty league, I think he's definitely got a, a top fifteen season. It's Julio Jones, you know, it's Julio Jones. I, can all of them. I just like guys that go in his range a little bit more than him, especially the Rams guys. If I'm going to shout out any specific guys sleep on that Carter takes as Evan, uh, and just, I don't know exactly what you mean. Like you don't want me to talk about him cause you want to keep him to yourself or you don't think I, I'm high enough on it. Let me know what you mean, Evan. Um, cause I, I do really like him and I think he's going to blow up. I love the zone blogging scheme. He's ran zone since high school. He was saying like, this is his scheme. Um, and he's already running with the ones like there's nothing to not like. And the fact he's going to round nine, all the better. He's the, he's the running back. I am landing in that, that round nine range. If I'm not going, I talked about how I like Higby. I like Logan Thomas. If I'm going running back there and Michael Carter's there, like he's the reason I don't get those tight ends often. Got pick eight in my redraft. If Kelsey makes it eight. Oh yeah. Tunes, there was a point where I had Kelsey number one on my big board. Like I, I've since remembered how good workhorses are and regained my affinity for the position and, and bumped through the workhorses up. But eight, I have Kelsey at five. Oh yeah, I, I think at eight, a hundred percent, because you'll you'll get a Gibson, uh, you know, one of those guys. Um, I, uh, I I'm with you there. Like I, I absolutely love Kelsey. At that range, you are getting the single biggest edge in fantasy, and you can still get yourself a bell cow. So yeah, if he falls to you at eight, don't even think twice. The only other guy I have the tunes. We're gonna be in a similar spot. So we're I know we're talking about getting some beers and uh, other activities go in the summer um i have the seventh overall pick so me and you got to get together do some drafts uh kind of game plan because i love picking your brain too you're, you're a smart fantasy mind uh so let's get let's get drafting together the only guy i'm also considering there at seven eight range i'm hoping it's kelsey myself uh i also love Devonte adams though now this, this narrative with rogers and whatnot i think just what he did last year shouldn't be repeatable and i think it will be which is nuts Mohammed, what's up, man? Great. You've been tuning into a bunch of these. It's so appreciated to, for you guys that come come to the broadcast. I try to post them early so you guys know today. I was a little bit behind schedule. I had a few buddies returning home, from different things. So my apologies if you you came late because I didn't give you the schedule ahead of time. Um, but I love seeing you to all these and your comments on all the, the YouTube videos. It's so appreciated, all you guys. And and on that note, anybody catching the reap stream or out there, wants to hit that thumbs up button to help us get out to more people, share it out to people. It is so appreciated. So, thank you uh, there. But would you rather have it there, ADP Woods or DJ Moore? Oh, it's Woods for me. It's not even close. I am granted a lot lower on DJ Moore than most people out there. Um, I actually have him below Brendan Ayuk in round five. So, that tells you all you need to know about my thoughts on Moore. It's not because I don't like the player. Uh, and I don't think this is a hedge for everybody. He's so explosive. He's great after the catch. He's a good deep player. He can do it all. But why didn't they use him more last year? Like why is Robbie Anderson out targeting him? Why isn't he the slot receiver when he's so good after the catch that Donald would pepper? If that happens, if we find out that he's moving to the slot and he's gonna get peppered more, I might have to rechange my, my stance because Donald loves his slot. But they have not really moved him around, not been very creative with him. Like Curtis Samuel saw more work. I, I gimme woods who's been rock steady the last few years ever since, you know, um, Sean McVay got there. Now you give him the best quarterback he's probably ever played with. I I was shocked in my projections. I, I got to release these. I don't know what I'm doing with them. I, I did my projections and I never really released them. I was stunned at how high the Rams receivers came out. Both of them finished in my top 12 in projections. Woods was like wide receiver seven. <laughs> so I'm all in on Woods and uh, I'm pretty low on Moore considered, uh, you know, Very high on Woods, pretty low on Moore. So that one's a no-brainer to me. Um, But I love Woods, Muhammad. I absolutely love him. How high would you draft MT knowing his injury? I got to have like a full, you know, four receivers or so I feel really good about. Plus a few running backs. and Ideally a tight end. So we're looking like at the 100-ish, 150 range. It's hard to feel out, right? I don't know how long he's going to miss. Right now it's at least September, they're thinking. That's a whole month. And I'm all for like stash a guy and let him just come in and mid season just give you a huge boost right i'm all about it it's nothing better but you also have to be in a good position to compete and if you i've made a, a few times too many mistakes of like oh this guy's getting undervalued we know what he's gonna do down the stretch and it's all about winning in the playoffs but you gotta get to the dance in the last couple of years I've, I've gotten greedy in a few leagues where i load up on these week six really you know this guy's gonna come in and destroy it right like and it's it's Hasn't panned out. So I'm not landing him very often in these recent drafts. Uh, in fact, I haven't taken him since the injury news. I think it's, it's, it's especially with like, is it going to be Taysom Hill quarterback? Those questions, addition to the injury questions, it's just a headache for somebody else, in my opinion. Mark H, oh, happy to uh, help my brother. You're, you're very welcome. And no worries that you're late. Maybe catch. I would just highly recommend. Not, I don't care that you're late. Obviously, I want you here the whole time, but catch the replay because Graham is awesome. Like this is content you do not want to miss. Um, he's fantastic. Oh, Evan, there you go, a little clarification. Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, Javante is a hundred percent over Carter. It's like it's not really close. And that's as a person I just raved about Carter. Like I really like Carter. I love Javante. Absolutely love him. Which ride receiver would you choose uh, over there? Higgins or Jay? Oh man, I find myself, Brandon, having to make this choice a lot. Uh, and I've been going, Chase. <laughs> and, I, and I love Higgins, so it's tough. But look at what Chase did with Jamar Jefferson, uh, you know, just broke the rookie receiving record. Chase outscored him in every single facet when they were together on the same college team with the same college quarterback throwing in the rock. Like, uh, to me, that's just a – it's just going to line up. I think Chase is that elite. I think there's going to be no learning curve. It's just going to be alpha, alpha, alpha right from the start. I think Higgins is going to be not very far behind. That's why I'm very high, I think I said it earlier, on Burrow. I think Burrow could lead the league in passing, and his touchdowns were so low last year – Guy like Chase is going to really help that out. The one worry, of course, is the offensive line, right? Like, is Burrow going to stay upright? But as long as he does, those guys are going to go, you know, ballistic. I really don't mind at all going Chase Higgins in a best ball, like four or five, late four, early five, to to get both those guys and then getting Burrow late. Like, that's a amazing double stack, in my opinion. I think both. It, it's not like Chase is going to dominate and take away from Higgins. I think Chase is going to dominate, and Higgins is going to be really good too. And if Higgins outscored him, like. Higgins is the safer play. We've seen it. We know he's good. And all the reports are he's more explosive right now. I mean, you know you're getting very good already. And if he's taking his game to another level, like maybe he will be better than Chase. So you've got a nice floor with a good ceiling. Like, so if you want to go that route, go for it. But to me, Chase's ceiling is I walk in day one, I'm putting up 1,500 and 10. (laughs) It wouldn't blow blow my mind by any means. Like I'm going him all over the place. Mama, man, you love the videos and, and lives. I greatly appreciate that. And let us know. I know you're one that tunes in a lot. So what are some other things we could be doing better or or differently or think, content you want to see? Let me know. I'm glad you love it as is. But I know I love to ask you guys that are here still asking questions and, and live with us, like, what could we be doing better? Or how could we be more helpful? So just keep you, – you're great about interacting. Keep interacting all the time. Uh, I hope for Kelsey or Taylor in that spot. Go, Kelsey, man i'm with Graham that i'm worried about taylor i think i had him at like 13 or 14 not about taylor as a player but you owned him last year tunes and i know at the end of the year he won new titles but you know how much of a headache that was and now you mix in marlon mack and coming off an achilles i know it, it's not like i'm that scared of marlon mack but i am still scared of you know what's his fucking name Um uh, naeem hines like he's not gonna go anywhere And they've already taught, you know, Frank Reich did say, oh yeah, Taylor earned it. It's his job to start the year. He's got it right. But in that same breath said, and we ride it. He is game script dependent. And yes, I think Wentz is going to be fine and and do exactly what Rivers did, maybe a little more. So they're going to be competitive and they're going to be able to ride our man there, Taylor, as good as he is. And that's what sucks is you told me this guy's getting 18 touches, 20 touches game. I wouldn't hesitate taking him top five, probably number three. He's that good. But I have no faith. It's nothing about Taylor. It's, it's everything about Reich and how he's used his backs. He's always been a committee guy. I'm not into it, Brandon. What would you recommend as a draft strategy for a 10 man redraft pick two? So Brandon, I, I'll give you like a couple quick thoughts, but I am going to be starting up soon. Um, I do. I did them daily for a few summers. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull that off this year, but I'll probably do at least a few times a week. I call them the daily draft wizards where I either invite you on and you can kind of talk with me live as we go through a draft, or at least just I run through a draft live and kind of talk through my thought process. So you're, you're awesome about interacting today. It seems like, I think you're pretty new, but uh, I like You seem to be a, a good fan here. You've stayed for pretty much the whole broadcast. Awesome. More than happy to do a draft from the two spot and kind of show you exactly who I would take We know draft wizard isn't, you know, the goat, like it's not going to be a hundred percent representative, but I, I'll give you my thoughts. I think you got to go running back early. Uh, if it's PPR, you go going cook. If it's standard, you're going Henry half PPR your choice between them. I, I kind of lean Henry and I know not, not a lot of people will agree with me there, but give me the tank. Give me the 20 touchdown upside. And then I love Waller. We talked about him, um, especially in a 10 man where you can get your edges is often quarterback. It's the onesies where typically that's where I like to wait in 10 teams. You can find more receivers to replace your wide receiver three you can find oftentimes a flex running back or RB two on the waiver wire in 10 team leagues. You can't find a Waller. You can't find a Kelsey. So I think you have to be looking at that Waller. And those those are the one or two leagues where I would actually make sure I get a nice quarterback early. Uh, whether that's Mahomes in round three, probably a little richer in my blood. There's still really, really elite receivers. I'd probably go running back Waller receiver, you know, whoever that might be, AJ Brown, if that's, you know, a Allen Robinson, whoever that might be for you there. Um, And then kind of keep going from there. Lock in an elite guy in those top three and then play the value game. You know, is DeAndre Swift falling to me in round four? Chris Carson made his way there. Uh, What receivers? Jamar Chase, get those guys. Brandon Ayuk, round five, six. Like those, I love the sophomore class for running backs and for receivers. Um, Loading up on those guys in the mid-round. Just shooting for upside, right? Because you're going to have replaceable options on the waiver wire. You don't need anything about floor. Go for the ceiling. Watch my episode with Scott Barry if you want some, some ceiling-chasing like philosophy but also players to go after as well. Uh, that was from last week. Awesome show. You got the Rodgers-Adams-Tunyon stack. Whew. Michael Schneider, that is a beautiful stack uh, by all means. Um, how well do you think they do over the full season? I mean, you want to look at like last year should be the outlier, right? Rodgers chucked 48 touchdowns at a hyper-efficient pace. But then there's the narrative of the, this last dance thing, right? This is actually his last season, and it might be Adams' last season there. There's a very realistic possibility that he's just going for t- records, going for as many stats as he can put up. I mean, you saw it last year when they got to the goal line; like it was, it's, it's irreplaceable, right? But they would just throw it to Adams like three times. It was like he was their goal line back, and it wouldn't, would never fail. He would almost always convert it. I don't see why they go away from that. You know, I, I'm a hundred percent into that, so I, I love this. Tunyon's the one that's like, does he regress? There's probably no way he scores, but he had like 13 touchdowns last year. I don't see him doing that, but I still think he's a great value where he's going, especially right now. So I think you should be pumped to have that stack in Dynasty. And there isn't like – the book isn't fully written on Tunyon yet. Like he's still pretty young. He works out with Kittle in the offseason, athletic freak. Like could he get better? Maybe. Could he be like a true number two? Maybe. There's upside there. It's still like – People are obsessed with saying Tunyon has to regress. Well, yeah, he probably won't score as many touchdowns, but he could take his receiving game to another level that people aren't talking about. So that's that's like a narrative I really kind of want to explore or dive into and write about recently. Uh, I think I think Tunyon has has a bit of unexplored upside. So I I like that stack. I mean, how could you not like that stack? You had it last year. I'm sure it did good things for you. I think you're getting you. Sh- it should regress. I think because of that last dance narrative, it might not. Michael, I think you're in a good spot. Mitch, awesome show, Wolf. Thanks so much for for being here. You're an awesome, fan. Always, always a pleasure having you, my dude. My league undervalues QBs, even in superflex. So that's that's nice because in superflex you usually don't get. Wow, Russ, Herberts, Tafford, Wilson, insane. How are you on a rebuild with these guys? How long should I make these fools starve? So who should I look to move off? I wouldn't be opposed to moving any of those guys. I mean, obviously the the most valuable in my mind for a a dynasty is, is Herbert. Like I, I think he's just going to be a stud. Russ is, is not far off there, but if you're moving those guys for the appropriate value, if that's, you know, you're starved at running back and you need to move Herbert to go get yourself a, a horse, go for it. Right? Like I, I'm into it. Um, move any of them, right? It's just move them for the right price or don't, you don't have to move them. It's good. It's not a bad thing to have four good options in a super flex at quarterback. Because one might get hurt, but I love them all. Just make sure you don't you don't force it, especially in dynasty. I had this conversation with Michael Lou on Monday. It was he was like, "Why didn't you get a fourth quarterback? You know, you you want guys in dynasty that are just going to accrue and accrue value, and quarterbacks over the long haul and, and dynasty leagues and superflexes, especially they tend to accrue a lot of value. So I, if I'm moving one of these guys, it's probably Stafford because of the you know you can probably get a good haul for him and his value is about. For, he'll have a great year The think Stafford, just like Burrow, another good threat to lead the league in passing, but long-term you got what, how many more is it? like three, four of him Wilson could be the next phenom. So it, there's not a ton of value accrue possibilities there with uh, Stafford, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, any of them though, any of them, Evan, I know it's not very helpful, but like maybe let me know some offers you're concocting or what might be fair, like which one do you want to move the most? But obviously, you know, Russ and Herbert, you're looking for a, a high-end cornerstone type of guy at receiver, at running back. The other two, you're looking for like a quality for a staffer, you're probably looking for a quality two third option at running back or receiver. And Wilson, you know, I, I only gonna get fair value for Wilson. So I, I wouldn't move him. Glad I found this channel very helpful. Glad to hear it, Brandon. I'm glad to, I'm glad we're helpful. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're interacting. Well, we go live quite often. So find us as much as you can. Like I said, I'd love to do a draft for you. Uh, your two spots to show you how I uh, really unfold it. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you're here, man. It's great to have good people. And if there's anybody you're not competing with, and I, I'll shout this out to you, not just you, Brandon, but anybody out there. It's tough because that's the one thing that sucks with fantasy and growing. is like, if you find us, a lot of people like to keep us their secret weapon. If there's people you're not competing with, or you're like in a work league of people that, you you know, not that much, much concerned about do us a favor, pass it forward and, and give us, you know, always give us the thumbs up shares, all that stuff. Just like the three easy ways to help us out. Word of mouth means a lot. So I'm really helpful, happy to have you. And if you're willing to, to share the word with a couple people, it'd, be, it'd mean the world to us. Um, Tanya, owners are happy to see the Jeopardy host show up at camp. Yeah, absolutely, Evan. Uh, it, one, get him off of fucking Jeopardy because he was horrible there. Uh, but two, yes, for his value, Tanya would be borderline useless without Rogers there. And now he goes to a potential top seven, top eight guy. Michael, I Green Bay stack. Yes, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I would get some good value and trade off before this. In yes, that's a, that's an interesting point um, there, Evan. Uh, I'm with you. So like, yeah, like I, this is going to be the the highest their value is ever going to be. Maybe wait until they're just absolutely murdering it this year and see how your roster is good. Like you never want to turn them away and like cost yourself the shot, the title this year. Cause they're going to be commonly owned, I think in, in title situations, it depends on the rest of your, your roster. If you've got a nice win-now team, ride it out. But if you're in a rebuild, then maybe you do consider moving them because their value is going to be very peak this year. Which one would you choose for Brandon? Um, AJ Brown, DK, or Allen Robinson? I like DK there. Uh, I actually have the Allen Robinson projection for a higher stats, but like DK is just a specimen. Like, How do you go away from that? I would rank them DK, Robinson, AJ Brown. I'm a little bit lower on AJ Brown than most. Um, and that's not low in terms of player again. Like I, I want to reiterate that. I just run heavy offense with Julio Jones next year. How much volume are you gonna get? I was I was all ready for AJ Brown, like a target season till Julio got there. Um, I don't think you'd go wrong with any of those three, though. I think any one of them is gonna give you good weekly wide receiver one numbers uh to to pair with whoever you go at two, the top there. I actually got that stack this offseason, traded Watson away to get those three. You got a haul for Watson. Like, who knows what his future is? And of course, once he's back, like, he's going to be a top, top weekly guy. But you got a first or second in those three players. You, I mean, that must have been a lot of like, is Rogers going to retire? You bought that discount. You took, you rolled those dice, and man, that's going to pay out for you, Michael. Well done. Well done. Uh, You want that secret weapon? Can I at least wait to share? Of course. Yeah, no pressure to share me by any means, guys. Like, obviously, it's appreciated. I want to grow and continue to get the channel more people. But at the end of the day, you guys are the ones here interacting and asking questions. I want you to win your titles before anybody else. So if I can help you do that, it's, you know, at the cost of me not having another follower, you're the first one here. So, sweet, you're interacting, you're asking the questions, by all means. <laughs> no no pressure to share. I don't mean it to, to obviously have any pressure, uh, but it is appreciated if you guys consider it. All right, you guys, well, thank you so much. Awesome questions throughout, awesome interaction. Uh, we've got some great shows lined up next week. We're starting to line up some beat writers as well to get inside training camps for you guys. We're going to call it On the Fantasy Beat. So we've got some exciting stuff lined up. And as I was saying with Grandma before the show, maybe some profiles, our own little – we got some development projects in the works, too. So we're still in our baby stages. I'm pumped that you guys are here this early on. Uh, continue to help us grow. You guys are so appreciated. You can find all the stuff at roadstreetgeneral.com. We breed and feed fancy wolves, the fantasy fullback dive. If you like podcasts, all our, our episodes will be available in audio format. And me personally, at Rotor Street Wolf on Twitter. DMs are always open. Hit me up. Let me know you're around. Um, all that good stuff. Would love, uh, love to interact with all you guys so that you can find all our stuff. And we have an app, too. It's new. It's not as good as we want it to be, but you know, they help, help support us there. Download the app too. Um, well, in a world, oh, we got one question. Yeah, i find fine, Brendan. Last one, I'll let you sneak it in. Better running back of the season, half PPR Robinson or Travis Etienne? It's got to be Etienne. I'm going for the upside there. Robinson could be the grinder, could score a bit of touchdowns on the ground, but give me the guy that they want to be that, like Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel, move them all over the place. The upside is astronomical. I mean, you got a guy like James Robinson who did what he did last year, crushed it. Love him, love the player and the team goes and invests a first-round pick in a, a running back, that tells you all you really need to know, right? Follow the team's draft capital. Go with the guy they wanted. The new regime had their guy in mind for this position, and that was Travis Etienne. Robinson could still be good. Etienne could be a monster, a season winner. So that's where I go. Um, all right, guys, thanks again so much. In a world full of fancy sheep, be the wolf. Later, guys. We used to have it all. But now's our curtain call, so hold for the applause, oh, oh 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 And wave out to the crowd, and take our final bow, oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show, 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 at least we stole the show. Stole the show.
0: Straight ahead, Devil. second down. Touchdown! That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks. (laughs)